This is Kate Turkington on Travels with Kate. 101.9 Hi FN. I'm Kate Turkington and it's the Travel Show. And I know some of you have been asking me on social media what Hi means. Well, Hi, C-H-A-I, is the Jewish word for love. I'm sure you've heard people testing Lahaim, Lahaim, such a lovely word. So it's 101.9 Hi FM. Okay, we're going to be talking travel as we do every week. And this week, because it's that time of year, and you may not know, but it's whale-watching season. And did you know that in South Africa we have the very best, yes, the very best land-based whale-watching in the world? So where can you go? To watch whales because at the moment they're jumping and breaching and blowing and fluking and doing all sorts of things along the Cape's west coast. Now, one of the best places to visit, apart from whale watching, on the west coast is to hoop. It's the largest area managed by Cape Nature. It's actually 340 square kilometers. That's, that's a big piece of land. And it's one of our very few parks with a very big diversity of creatures and uh, vegetation. You think uh, Kruger, which is still the best in the world, having just come back from Masamara, but I can tell you nothing beats Kruger National Park. What to hope has, it has land animals, it has marine animals, it has bird life, and of course it has vegetation, so you really are getting lots to look at and to do down there. And how do you get there? Well, let's say you're driving from Cape Town. It's about, when I did it, it's about 260 kilometers by road from Cape Town. And you can go via Breedersdorp or Swellendam. The last 60 kilometers is a gravel road. Only takes about an hour to travel. And you can do it in a sedan. You don't need a great big gas guzzler or 4x4 or anything you can do. I did it in my little orange Honda Jazz. So perfectly okay. So when you get there, to do what you find well 70 kilometers of gorgeous beaches gorgeous gorgeous beaches with high white dunes overlooking the marine protected area and that extends five kilometers up to sea and of course you've got the fame boss you know fame boss we have the six floral kingdom in the world in South Africa, Fambos. So if you're there in season, expect yellow, pink, purple, shades of green. Uh, I believe there are over 1,500 of plant species, rare proteas of every different size and color, and of course, some birds. But, but, it's whale watching season. So, what are you going to see? You really are going to get spectacular views of the southern right whales. Do you know why they're called the southern right whales? Apparently, and this isn't fake news, apparently it's 
the whalers in the old days thought these were the easiest whales and the most profitable whales apart from the great big orcas which was much more of a hadunta to go out and catch they were called the right whales yeah there's a bunch of right whales over there so that's how they became named the southern right whales of course we get humpbacks we do get other whales too but the ones we get in season from july probably till uh december mid-december of the southern right whales so i was there Last time, I've been a few times. I was there last time a few years ago. I was with my very good friend Coral, and it was her birthday, actually. And we went down to Copy Elian on the coast, and we literally counted, as far as we could, over a hundred whales. They were breaching, they were blowing, their tails were spinning in the air, their flukes were uh, flapping, their backs were arching and bowing or bowing, they were drifting, or they were just cruising along very low, lazily beneath the surface. And a mother and a calf came by. Oh, you know, one shouldn't be anthropomorphic about animals, I know. But when you see a whale with the baby just floating along, and then the baby began showing off, began flipping and breaching. Look, Mum, look what I can <laughs> do, it was saying to uh, its mother. And because it was my friend Cole's birthday, we had a champagne breakfast on the beach. So this far, so so far rather, this year, they've. I was talking to uh, Eloise from the Hoop. This year, they've had over three hundred whales already. So if you want to go whale watching, really go down to the Hoop. But there's lots and lots of other things you can do there too, and I'll be telling you about those in a moment. But and by the way, call me or WhatsApp me or. Uh, Email me. My email address is kate at hi.co.za. Remember that hi is spelled C-H-A-I for those of you who don't know. So it's kate at hi.co.za. And I will do my very best, certainly, to answer all your emails. And, of course, you can go to Hermanus and see whales. You know, there's that character called the the whale crier who stands there in his I don't know if it's a medieval costume but he stands there in that rather strange costume and he blows his horn when he sights a whale which is probably quite difficult if you've got over a hundred uh, whales but you know you've got that nice promenade in uh, uh, in Hermanus where you can walk along and see Wales. So I'm going to be telling you about other things you can do at the Hope, where to stay, all sorts of things to do, all sorts of activities, and I'll be back in just a moment. This is Kate Turkington on Travels with Kate. 101.9 High FM, I'm Kate Turkington, and we're talking about travel, and always at the, maybe the first 20 minutes of the show, I like to talk about what we can do in South Africa. My word, I've lived a long time, and I've traveled a lot. I haven't even scraped the surface, I think, of what there is to do and see in South Africa. The more I travel, 
the more I travel, and I travel a lot, I come back and I always think South Africa is the best country in the world. And I say that. I mean it. I really, really do. You go off to other countries. And and you know what? You know what? If you're happy with yourself, you're going to be happy wherever you go. I have a very good friend Coral, in fact, the one who was with me on the whale-watching picnic breakfast, she says, and I love it, she said, you know the expression, the grass is only, it's, it's greener on the other side of the fence. You've heard people say that, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. You think somewhere else has always got to be better or whatever. She says, you know what, Kate, the grass is only as green as you make it. The grass is only as green as you make it. How true, how true is that? But back to De Hoop in the Western Cape. Remember, it's a Cape Nature Reserve. So much to see and do. And a lovely place to go. Whether you're uh, an energy bunny, whether you're a bit creaky on your uh, pegs, whether you've got small children, whether you've got teenagers, whomsoever you are, it really is a good place to uh, go. And I speak from a lot of experience. So what else can you do other than whale watching? Well, you can do five guided mountain bike trails. They've got bikes there, but if you want to take your own bike, you can do very, very good mountain bike trails. A birding walk. I'm a birder. I've been president of Santon Bird Life, I think now 14, 15 years. So I'm not a twitcher. You know, I don't get my knickers in a knot overseeing some uh little LBJ, some little branch job, or maybe I do. But I don't go searching for birds. I'd rather let the birds come to me. And if I am in a place where there is birding, of course I will go and look for birds. And at the hook, let me tell you, there's a 16-kilometer-long flay that a hoop flay. It's actually a very, very important Ramsar site. Ramsar sites are very, very important birding sites globally, all over the world. There's another one in Fakustrum in Mpumalanga, and um, I think we've uh, a couple of others uh, as well. But the Duhut Flay is a Ramsar site, mainly for the water birds, because you've got water birds of all kinds. So you can walk along the edge of the Flay. It's a narrow trail, but it's a very, very well-marked trail, and you can do it. Anybody can do it. It's not wheelchair accessible, but whether you're young, old, or whatever, as long as you can walk on your two legs, you can you can do it. And what are you going to see? You're going to see pelicans, love pelicans. You're going to see flamingos. And, of course, all the migrant birds are back. I'm sure you've heard um, Pete Mafrow. You've heard Diedrichs cook in your garden. Diedrichs, Diedrichs, Diedrichs calls all day. The rain bird is back. The all the all the migrants are back and down into a hook. You've got the migrant waders as well. Fish eagles circling overhead. And if you're very lucky, I've been lucky once, a Cape Clawless otter, just very sleek and beautiful, uh, cavorting, frolicking at the 
uh, water's edge. By the way, you can also see otters in Johannesburg. If you go to Reetflay, don't know if you've ever been to Reetflay, uh, nature reserve. It's in southern, um, south, just south of Pretoria, only 20 minutes from Rosebank or maybe 30 minutes. I came back from the Masamara, which was the most wonderful trip, by the way, uh, and saw all sorts of things, but went on a, a, a wild, not a wild goose chase, but a wild cheetah chase for three cheetahs. We spent three and a half hours bumping of the infinite plains of the Masamara looking for cheetahs. And then finally, after three and a half hours, there were three dots in the distance on a hill. doesn't matter because we saw loads of other stuff. Four, four days after I come home, last week, in fact, one of my grandchildren, one of my grandsons is a game ranger. He was home on leave. And I have a, another 15-year-old grandson among many and we went off to reef for a day half past five in the morning pouring with rain we'd been about half an hour in the rain and through the mist we stopped the car through the mist no other cars no other cars there at all we stopped in the rain and the mist and these five six six ghostly shapes came out of the mist and it was a mother cheetah and five Fairly big, fairly big cubs. So there you are. <laughs> you only, if you live in Johannesburg, you've only got to go 35, maybe 40 max minutes away to go to a lovely, lovely reserve. Anyway, back to, uh, back to Duhu. They've got 260, in fact, over 260 bird species. So if you're a birder, you can go on a guided birding walk and have all the specials pointed out to you. And then there are two lovely walking trails. Again, there's one of three kilometres, which is my sort of walking trail. I can do can do five if I do a morning Sunday walk. And there's a 14-kilometre walk. Don't, it's long, that 14 kilometre, it's not, you're not going to be climbing up mountains and scrambling along, but it is long. So unless you're fairly fit, I wouldn't sort of advise it. But if you do make it, you climb a bit of a hill at the end, gorgeous views, gorgeous views of the sea or sea whales and a picnic basket. But my favourite, and I just tell you this almost lastly, the marine walk. I went with the then marine guide, Dalfrenso, and we did a marine walk. He's a qualified marine guide. What do you see on a marine walk? Well, we saw starfish, we saw abalone, we saw all kinds of things, rock pools, but I just want to quickly tell you about the limpets. Limpets, you know limpets, those things that stick on the side of vessels and whatever. Very, very, very slow-moving mollusks. And Dalfrenso told us they are actually very aggressive and very territorial. So you're a limpet clinging to your rock. And in the distance, you see another limpet who's just come in clinging to a rock. So you make your way very slowly, might take you a day, might take you two days to the other limpet because it's your territory. And what do you do when you get there? You tip him over. You tip him over so he's lying helplessly on his back and probably the gulls will come down to 
get him. So to hook, lots of places to stay, self-catering, cottages. If you stay in the big lodge, you can have B&B dinner bed and breakfast. And lastly, two gorgeous manor houses, uh, 18th century manor house. And my favourite, there's a Milk Karma Cottage, 1872. It's got the original yellow wood floors. It's, it's gaslit. It's, it's just so beautiful. Both are good. Let's say you want a family reunion or you've got a big family or you want to go down there with a group of friends. Absolutely gorgeous place to stay. So there you are. Next time you're on the Cape, Western Cape, just don't go to Plet. Just don't go to Hermanus or whatever. Go to Duhup. You'll love it. This is Kate Turkington on Travels with Kate. 101.9. Hi, FN. Hi, I'm Kate Turkington, and we're talking travel. And as I said to you earlier, what I'm trying to do with this travel program is we want to talk about domestic travel in the first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes or so. As I said to you earlier, so much to see and do in South Africa. We live in one of the most scenically diverse and beautiful countries in the world with, you may not agree with me, but on the whole, a very good infrastructure. You can get to places, and you know our main toll roads are fantastic. If you go north, if you go to Derbs, if you go to Cape Town, the roads are really very, very uh, good. Okay, now... Think castles, cottages, cathedrals, pubs, beaches, winding coast roads, mountains, bustling cities, charming villages, and that untranslatable Irish word, crack. Crack means having a good time. So somebody said to somebody else, where should we go tonight, Saturday night or Thursday night or Wednesday night? Where should we go tonight? Let's go to a place that's got good crack. It's actually spelt, you know, once an English teacher, always an English teacher. It's actually spelt C-R-A-I-C, crack. But if a place has got good crack, it's fun. It's got absolutely everything going to it. So, of course, what am I, who, where am I talking about? I'm talking about one of the world's most popular travel de- destinations, Ireland. And that's why we played Why Irish Eyes Are Smiling. And I was chatting to Niall Gibbons. He's the CEO of Irish Tourism. And we were having a whiskey an Irish one, of course. And by the way, if you've ever wondered about the two spellings of whiskey, whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-Y, without the E, is Scots whiskey, or Scotch, and Irish whiskey is W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. And the Irish will say, that sounds, that stands in for excellent. The E means excellent. And he was telling me, so here we are in Dublin having a a jar of, as they say, a jar of uh, Irish whiskey in Temple Bar. That's Dublin's hottest, longest-lived party place. Good crack. Good crack in uh, Temple Bar. It's on the banks of the River Liffey. And he told me that visitor numbers keep rising and rising. Obviously, during COVID, during lockdown, Ireland, like everywhere else, suffered 
Uh, but now it's absolutely back to top form again. He said, the brand island, these were his words, it's such a positive one. Everybody, it seems, wants to go to Ireland. And certainly when I go there, people always say to me, oh, I've always wanted to go to Ireland, or I wish I could go to Ireland, or I've been to Ireland and uh, loved it. So people love going to Ireland, and so you should. Great hospitality, wit, which you can't you can't surpass the Irish uh, for wit, the friendliness, the greenest greenest scenery. Remember, uh, Ireland is called the Emerald Isle, and in the last mm-hmm, twenty twenty, maybe even longer, let's say thirty years, it's established itself as one of the foodie centres of Europe. Great, great food, uh, seafood, steak vegan, vegetarian, you name it, great, great food of all kinds. Okay, if you've got ancestors, you might even have some ancestors in Ireland. Why? Because once upon a time, in fact, it was during the or after the great potato famine of the 1840s, over two and a half million people emigrated from Ireland. There is actually a famine museum down on the southwest of Ireland near Cork and its port uh, cove. And you can go in there and you can see the creeping mould that enveloped the potatoes. And of course potatoes was the were the staple diets of the Irish people. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands, maybe millions died, but two and a half million emigrated. They went to Canada, they came to South Africa, they went to Australia, they went to uh, New Zealand. And if you go down to the southwest, Cork, that's the Republic of Ireland's second biggest city. Remember, Ireland is politically divided into two. In the north of Ireland, the six counties, that's the UK. It's still part of the UK. In the south of Ireland, it is the Irish Republic. But, I mean, Ireland is Ireland. doesn't matter where you uh, go. But Cork, down there in the southwest, is uh, the Republic of Ireland's second biggest city. And its port is Cove. C-O-B-H, I mean the Irish, they spell the words one way and you pronounce them in a totally different way. So Cove is the port where all those people emigrated on the infamous coffin ships. Coffin sh- they called them the coffin ships because literally that's where they were, what they were. They were the Sankor. People died on them. And if you go into the museum in Cove, you can actually see they've got like uh, a coffin ship cut in half, as it were, beautifully done. So you can see the people in the cabin, you can see somebody nursing her baby, you can see people playing the fiddle, men playing cards in the bars of the ship. It's it's a living museum, absolutely fantastic. And, of course, it was from Cove where the Titanic set sail from on that last fatal journey. And of course, in during World War One, too, the Lusitania, uh, another famous or infamous ship, also set sail from Cove, and two thousand people died on that ship. It was torpedoed uh, by the Germans when it wasn't long off the 
Irish coast and 2,000 people died. But there's a great heritage uh, museum uh, in Cove. So if you did or you know anybody who had Irish ancestors, let's say a whole number of Irish uh, uh, of American presidents um, have Irish roots and love to announce they've got uh, Irish roots. You can go to, there's a record finder service, so you can go look up family name, look up friend's name, relative's name, and they'll actually be able to tell you if if you had family that emigrated from Ireland all those Oh, 200, nearly 200 uh, years ago. And if you are into whiskey and you are this far south, then go to Middleton in County Cork because that's where Jamison's uh, uh, brewery is. Or I don't think they call it a brewery. They call it a distillery uh, where Jamison's Irish whiskey is made. So you can, oh, such dedication, such care they take uh, over making uh, this whiskey. Uh, after visiting that and actually the Bushmills distillery in the north of Ireland, I was never ever able to sort of um, toss back a tot of whiskey quite so nonchalantly again when I knew the triple distilled and all the care and attention that goes into it. And of course you've got Dublin. I mean beautiful, beautiful Georgian city with wide boulevards and beautiful, beautiful front doors. And, of course, that's got the Guinness Brewery. You have to go on a trip to uh, the Guinness Brewery. Castles. I mean, Ireland is littered with castles. You can't move hardly a few kilometres without coming across uh, a castle. In Dublin, you've got the beautiful, beautiful medieval Book of Kells at Trinity College Dublin, so you go, go and look at that. And what I love about that, you know, it's a religious manuscript, so picture some monk sitting there illustrating all these words and stories about the saints and, and the angels and whatever, beautifully done. And then in the corner of the page, you find a picture of a little mouse. A little mouse sitting there, sort of washing its whiskers. And you think that monk who was sitting there got a bit bored with all the illumination and the fancy lettering and the curly cues. And he sees a little mouse in the corner of his cell and he pops that into a corner of one of the pages. I just love that uh, sort of thing. Okay, and then up to the north of Ireland, you've got one of the most famous uh, coastal routes in the world, the Causeway Route, 75 kilometres, goes all the way up from Belfast to Giant's Castle. If you're a golfer, it goes past Port Rush Golf Course, where, of course, Rory... Uh, Oh, God, Rory, who's the golfer? Rory, Rory. My, I can't think of his name for the moment, but that's where, of course, the famous Irish golfer, Rory, cut his uh, proverbial teeth, uh, if you like, on that uh, golf course. And the uh, open, the uh, open golf tournament was held there about four years uh, ago, I think, the British Open. It was about four years ago. I was there not long before... Uh, Lockdown. Okay, and of course the north of Ireland's economy and practically everything else was rescued because much of the 
notorious, famous, infamous, depending on your point of view, TV series Game of Thrones was filmed there. Uh, I went to the tiny harbour of Ballintoy. That's where Game of Thrones Island Pike was filmed. Even more, I went to Winterfell. That's a castle called Castle Ward. And I tried out my archery skills. And we had a great big guy, great big Irish guy in full Game of Thrones armour. And there were only four of us, and he wanted us to ride uh, bikes up to several of the Game of Thrones places. So I was a bit hesitant, hadn't been on a bike for quite a long while. So I'm sort of standing there with my legs, one leg either side of the bike, and this huge, he's about six foot three guy, Irish guy in armour, looks down at me and says, commit, commit. <laughs> so I committed and actually rode off on my uh, bike. And, of course, in Belfast itself, one of the great places to visit in the world, it's won more awards than almost anywhere, is the Titanic Belfast. This It's not a theme park. How can I explain it? The building is like a cross between an iceberg and the prow of a ship, won many, many global architectural awards. And inside are seven stories. You start at the bottom story and you work your way up. You go in a little car at some stage. You work your way up from the very building of the Titanic with the dock workers singing and the noise of the rivets and the hammers all the way up to first class, those first class cabins, and then, of course, onto the prow of the ship where Celine Dion sang that never-to-be-forgotten song with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, there. So Ireland, wonderful, wonderful country uh, to visit Go there. They are friendly. Everything, just everything is great, uh, actually. I've lots of stories I could tell you, maybe another time. But think about Ireland and think about visiting, and maybe you've already visited. And remember, if you've got anything to ask me, kate at hi.co. And just to remind you that hi is C-H-A-I the lovely Jewish word for love. So Kate at hi.co.za. This is Kate Turkington on Travels with Kate. The last segment of the show, 101.9 High FM, I'm Kate Turkington. I'm going to be talking about books that you can read as you travel, or as I've said previously, while you're sitting at the airport, for the waiting during those interminable delays or on a plane or whatever. I never, ever, ever travel without a book. If I go to the dentist, if I go anywhere, I, well, actually I use a Kindle, but although I love my Kindle and I travel with it because it's so light, there's nothing like a real book and the smell of a real book and the turning the pages of a real uh, book. And the book I want to talk about today is by Alexander McCall Smith. It's called A Song 
of comfortable chairs. Some of you may know Alexander McCall-Smith because she has written so many books, particularly about Botswana and about the number one ladies' detective agency in Haberone in Botswana. And if ever you need a break from the doomsayers or the stress or the kids or the weather or whatever, I can't recommend enough reading one of Alexander McCall Smith's number one ladies detective series. I think now in the series there must be well over 20 books. The, the first book was called The Number One Ladies Detective Agency and the most recent one, the one I've just read, A Song of Comfortable Chairs. Now who runs this number one detective agency? It's somebody called Ma Precious Ramotswe. She is the ideal comfortable, comfortably built, as she says herself, who sips Roybot's tea, her bush tea, to soothe her nerves when she needs to. And she solves cases of cheating husbands or a, a robbery at Mr. J.L.B. Matacone, that's her husband's garage. I mean, there's no serious, serious crime. But the books are full of simple wisdom, of charm, of maybe somewhere that doesn't exist anymore. I don't know. They are set in the present. But does this ideal world where people don't lie and cheat and where people are nice to one another and where good things happen and the bad guys get found out. I hope such a place exists, but it certainly exists in the novel novels of Alexander McCall Smith. So you've got her number two, who's called Grace McCutsey, <laughs> who always tells everybody she got 99% at Botswana Secretarial College. So she thinks she knows best. You know, she's one of those women, we all know them, who think they know best and can cap every story you ever uh, tell. And then there's the orphan farm, a bit out of Haber only Gabrone, uh, which is run by Ma, uh, Ma Potokwane, and she looks after the orphans there. And then the bad woman, if any of you ever watched telenovelas, I watched one once, <laughs> they always had the bad, and those comics and those girls' books we, some of us used to read when we were growing up, they always had a villain, schoolgirl, with a villain in the number one ladies detective agency books is Violet Sapolo. She only passed her secretarial exams because it was widely rumoured that she had been close to one of the male lecturers. Anyway, she's a total bad egg and tries to undermine everybody. But as I say, they're gentle books. You've got, if you're going to read them, you haven't read them before, start with the first one, the number one latest detective series. And I don't know what you're like, but if I find a book and it's the first of a series, I'm so thrilled because I can read all the other books in the uh, same series. So there you go, something to gentle you, something to gentle you when you're really feeling not perhaps at your sparkling best. It will take you, as I say, to a world of 
good values and kindness and warmth where good people do prevail. I'm Kate Turkington. It's 101.9 High FM. And if you want to talk to me ever or email me, I'm kate at high.co.za.